Hello and welcome to the Campaign Podcast. My name is Matt Barker. I'm Features Editor of Campaign and I'm joined today by ace reporter Charlotte Rawlings. Hello, Charlotte. Yeah, that's the first compliment you've ever given me. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Treasure it. Hello. I'm going to be joined later here in the studio by guest Lola Neves from Neverland and Matt Waxman from Ogilvy to discuss a recent trend towards retro ad campaigns. But before we get on to that, we're going to chew over a couple of news stories that have appeared on the site this week. Fashion brand Burberry caused a bit of a ruckus after a promo campaign renamed Bond Street Tube Station as Burberry Street, uh, with the station decked out in Burberry's new colour, something called Night Blue, which just looks like a lighter shade of blue to me, um, (laughs) to promote a revamp of its flagship store. Uh, There was quite a bit of fuss about this. The campaign went on all weekend, uh, and tourists were reportedly missing their stop because they were confused by the apparent disappearance of Bond Street Station. Transport for London got quite a lot of stick for putting commercial considerations before customer experience. Were you impressed by Burberry's Bond Street stylings, Charlotte? You know what? I'd be so confused as well. Like, yeah. I think it, maybe it's my fault because whenever I'm on the tube, I'm either reading a book or I've got my headphones in. So I'm not really paying attention to the announcements. And I normally just rely on looking up at the sign at the tube station that yeah. we've just passed. And uh, if I looked up and saw Burberry, Burberry Street, was that what it was? Yeah. I, yeah, I wouldn't know where I was. So I think it's especially confusing for tourists. Um, and I think one of the main issues with this is it's like it's a good idea and it's like worked before with um, Green Park um, rebranded to Green Planet for David Attenborough's TV series. And the same thing happened with Southgate turning into Gareth Southgate for the World Cup. I think the issue here is that Burberry and Bond Street don't have much correlation. Mm. Um, So I'd definitely be confused. And also Burberry Street sounds like it could be a London tube station, doesn't it? Um, So, yeah, I I completely get why people would get off and be like, where am I? (laughs) Well, apparently TfL Transport London have have, have discussed in the past what's been recommended to them in the past, um, that that they sort of look into things like naming rights and sponsorship deals and, and all this sort of stuff. So it'd be... Interesting to see if it if it sort of puts them off. Um, Burberry had its big Fashion Week catwalk show over on Highbury Fields on, on Monday with various rock stars and the cast of Top Boy in, in attendance, but it all got overshadowed by this fuss. So um, maybe a bit of a lesson learned there. Mm. Did, you, did you catch any Fashion Week action? Were you on the... No, no, I didn't. No, sorry. That's going to make for a very interesting discussion. <laughs> that's that's fine. Did you? No. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> um, now, elsewhere this week, Warburtons have enlisted the help of the great Samuel L. L. Jackson to help them sell more of its bread. Uh, Jackson's on fine shouty form in the ad, following in the Hollywood footsteps of Robert De Niro, who starred in a couple of bagel-themed campaigns a few years ago. Um, are you a fan of this latest Warburton's Hollywood collab, Charlotte? Is is Samuel the toast of toast of Adlan, or do we deserve butter? Oh, you've added new ones. Yeah. Oh, there were some other ages. jokes in. But did you not decide? Did you think the other jokes weren't good enough? I just thought I'd freshen it up a bit. Yeah, that's new. Yeah, you haven't gone for the obvious one there. Anyway, so yeah, when we received the ad, I didn't actually think it was real. I thought that they'd like use some sort of deep fake technology to put mm. Samuel L. Jackson's face on another actor. Um, but then it's not that surprising because like Warburton's have used um, George Clooney in the past, Sylvester Stallone. Um, but I just want to know, like, 
what does Warburton's have over these celebrities to get them in these ads? Because it's just like insane, the talent. Um, but it go, is, obviously, there you go. Got that go, money. there you go. Yeah. Um, but it's also, it's it's good bread, I do have to say. Not that I'm biased or anything, but it's like the nice bread that my parents get. And yeah. I always look forward to having my white toasty loaf when I go back to my parents because I can't afford it. <laughs> it's the nice bread. Um but basically, um, the ad shows Samuel L. Jackson acting as the chairman, um, Jonathan Warburton. And it's because Warburton is so angry at people who have negative things to say about the brand. So he hires Samuel L. Jackson to shout at the haters, basically. Um, I'm not sure how much hate bread companies can get online, but I think it was a really clever idea to basically get someone like Samuel L. Jackson to monologue at people who don't like the brand or whatever um yeah seems like a perfect way to deal with the haters yeah i love the idea still that in in this globalized world of ours you know obviously a world would be globalized wouldn't it sorry but you know you can still get hollywood stars appearing in local ads in the mm. uk um because obviously it happened a lot in japan in the past which was lost in translation was was all based on that i, mm. I love the idea that you know an American viewer might stumble across one of these ads and think, what on earth is Samuel L. Jackson doing in that ad? But It will make them want to buy the bread, though. Well, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, you know. Um, finally, I'm going to ask you about young people. Um, apparently, they're now complaining about too many adverts. Ad industry think tank Credos says that ad bombardment is the biggest driver of mistrust for younger audiences. Charlotte, is this just teenagers hating being told what to do? Oh, young people. What are you going to do? What are we going to do with those snowflakes? Uh, I joke, I'm 25. Um, but yeah, it's not just teenagers who hate being told what to do either. You don't like being told what to do. I hate being told what exactly. to do. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I think I'm curious about whether like ad bombardment actually causes people to mistrust advertising or whether people are just, that they just find it annoying. Um, but I guess if too much advertising is being shoved in people's faces, then they're probably going to switch off a bit and um, take in less of it. Um, and I do have to say that when I'm trying to watch like a video online or like read an article or even like use an app um, and there are so many ads flashing up on my screen, it does become a bit annoying and almost like spam. Um, so I do get like the mistrust element of it. What do you think? I know it's interesting. I think that you're right with the bombardment. I think this is, this is another sign um of, of, of sort of younger demographics it didn't grow up with linear advertising mm. just finding them just getting in the way i've i grew up with linear <laughs> advertising it I was back in my that. day back in my day and and they were just part of that especially with things like oh you know print media you, you would just flick past or, or whatever and, and and you would expect ads to come on at certain times and mm. sometimes the ads themselves would become water cooler moments you know w w within the culture but i think it's part of that and i mean what it what it means is the brands have to find a different ways different avenues of getting messages across um a lot of which seems to be sort of leaning towards longer form entertainment, for instance, and stuff yeah. like that. So, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. For, for what was really interesting, actually, there was there was a stat in there about data privacy. Um, apparently, data privacy was most important amongst the 35 to 54 age group and least important amongst 18 to 34-year-olds. So I don't know whether that's just because... The thought doesn't yet occur to them. We don't care. You know? Yeah. Look, I'm not speaking like for a whole demographic here. You kind but, of are. Yeah, I kind of am. Um, but like, I should probably be better educated on like data privacy. But I think a lot of us just click accept when those like cookies pop ups um, appear on screen. Um, I mean, like also sometimes it's a bit helpful. I'm probably being really controversial. But like if you've Googled something and you're looking to 
like buy something or whatever and you can't find what you're looking for all of a sudden an ad pops up on instagram and you're like that's exactly what i need mm. but that is probably quite a controversial take and i understand that data privacy is very serious um but i've got nothing to hide so that's the, <laughs> i think that's probably what, that's probably what a lot of people my age think about it so i understand why it's not really a priority for like people in that age group but i'm also like i'm the perfect example of yeah that those people responding to that being like oh, it's not really Mm. front of mind does it worry you it i find certain things spooky put it that way what do you, you know? find spooky well you know if, if i am sort of looking at something and then and then two minutes later it'll pop up my Instagram. yeah yeah i just find it's not so much spooky but like, i've fallen for it you know it's, mm. it's that kind of thing and I, I find that off-putting and obviously it doesn't happen too much i, I don't get you don't get bombarded with ads too much on social compared to you know other channels perhaps well it's tailored so. tailored most of the time especially yeah. with tiktok and stuff like that yeah. i know that you you're I, not I on don't it really but use TikTok, no <laughs> um so yeah i i don't know I, I i guess it's a generational thing isn't it obvious thing to say but i think you know an, an older demographic it has it's just not used to it and maybe again if you grow up with it it's like well they're just going to do that aren't they let them do it you know um but yeah interesting stuff thanks charlotte I'm now joined by Matt Waxman, who's Head of Strategy Advertising at Ogilvy, and Lola Neves, who's Chief Strategy Officer at Neverland. Hi, Matt. Hello, hello. And hi, Lola. Hello. Thanks both for joining me here. Now, we're going to be talking about um, retro sort of themed advertising, and this was prompted in part by uh, the new series of McDonald's ads uh, by Leo Burnett, um, Change a Little, Change a Lot. We're just going to hear a quick clip of one now. Using yours. $100,000. There you go. McDonald's. <laughs> Talk to the hand. Oh, get with it, Tony. The eggs and McMuffins have been free-range for over 20 years. And the pork. It's all RSPCA assured. Hold the line. <clears throat> Bada-bing. We're constantly making little changes to the way we sort oh. our food. Yeah, yeah, chillax. I'll get that faxed over to you ASAP. Hey, we're still on for squash on Thursday. We've kept okay. up with the times, unlike Tony. Did he say fax? What's fax? Uh, I could only do the McDonald's one because the other two are just noise aren't they and, and not particularly <laughs> pleasant noise either so i wanted to bring you both in and ask are, are we seeing a kind of a retro trend developing here obviously mcdonald's having a bit of fun with with uh, tony the 80s yuppie who's kind of a wannabe master of the universe and and, and there's also jennifer in a shell suit who uses a pager uh and and, and so on um Muller have got a, a Look Who's Back ad, um, which has got sort of lots of ravey Davy early 90s house music, bit of a banger going on there. there there's been other stuff, Pringles. Um, now, obviously, Neverland have, have done a lot with, with the Ladbrokes and, and, and Rocky advert and had some sort of great success with that. So are we seeing something developing here? Uh, Matt, you could, you could kick this one off. Um, well, I'll, I'll kick off with an uh, undefinitive yes and no. <laughs> uh, I think we are seeing a trend but it's not a new trend. I've, I had a look at um, nostalgia and there is a cluster of articles from about 2009 around the nostalgia mega trend. So it is something that it feels like it bubbles up every few years. That being said, I think we are seeing it bubble up again. And just outside of advertising, I mean, I'm involved outside of advertising in nightlife quite a lot. And I've definitely seen it in like the clothing that club kids are wearing, the music, you know, we, there, there's all the big blockbusters on uh, in the movies, but in TV, things like Adam's Family and, you know, resurgence of 90s fashion on TikTok. It's kind of everywhere in culture. 
and now it's coming through in in Adland as well with those campaigns you mentioned. So yeah, it's happening. There's some super interesting reasons why, which I'm sure we'll get onto, um, but it's not the first time it's happened. Lola? Yeah, I mean, I have the same kind of point of view as Matt, really. I think there's there's definitely a trend and we're seeing it used more, both the aesthetic of the past, but also in service of ideas and making a point. But also I would say it's not a new trend. This happens and has happened before. I remember when I was young, there was definitely a thing for the 80s, maybe even the 50s at some point, dressing in weird clothes. So I think it's a recurrent trend, but at the moment, yeah, I mean, you would definitely say you can see it being used widely in culture and now in our industry as well. So are we kind of over analysing things a bit to suggest it's escapism from our sort of troubled times and so on? Is it really more about this idea that, you know, um, I don't know, it's an easy win, isn't it? We, we can sort of pick up on these archetypes of, of, of sort of people in braces and, and slick back hair, um, looking like a yappy or, or looking like somebody from the Spice Girls or whatever. It's, it's, it, they're instantly recognisable and, and things that we can all tap into. I don't think we are kind of overstating it because I think there are some particularities of the time that we're living in that does make it something that is sort of worthy of of comment and noticing. Like I think nostalgia generally is brought about by a sense of loss and, you know, it kicked off with COVID because people had a sense of loss of, you know, the freedoms they had before, but also a real worry that maybe their whole, what what they thought life was, was maybe lost forever. So that really triggered a lot of nostalgia. Um, so I think, you know, some particularities made it a real trend. And then also there's a lot of interesting things happening with nostalgia and tech, which I think is quite a unique thing because tech is always, you know, so so future facing and, you know, young people, we grew up, I think, being told off by our parents for always being on our phones and, you know, being too focused in technology. Whereas young people now are growing up and seeing their parents as these hyper-connected and in some ways disconnected people and really wanting to kick back against that. And that's kind of a bit of a unique moment in time as well. So I, I think, yeah, it's, it's not new, but it, there's some real particularities of how it's emerging today that are, are super interesting and kind of worthy of discussion. I think on that point, there's a difference between nostalgia for the people who experienced those things the first time round. Like it might mean somebody to, diff, something different to a maybe older audience who, like the Pringles work, actually remember that and it has to be done authentically versus a younger audience who arguably may not think about it that deeply or it's a much more subconscious thing like it might just be that it's quite novel and it's quite nice to look back at the past and there's just a a thing about the enjoyment of that but I do think looking back to our past enables us to sort of contrast where we are now either it's like we're doing it explicitly or implicitly and and enjoy that contrast uh the uh, the sort of novelty value of seeing what tech was like back in the old days versus now and in a way appreciate what we have but also realize things were okay before as well and there's more to life than just tech uh 
and mobile. It's a really interesting <laughs> point, is it? Because regular listeners will be aware that I'm a, a man of a certain age, so I, I, I can remember all of these decades, apart from the fifties, um, that, that, that we've been sort of chatting about here. And and if you do see an ad, if I see an ad which is kind of referencing the mid nineties, for instance, and something looks a bit off in terms of clothes or, or, or tech or whatever it is the authenticity and all the credibility just go straight out the window for me. And, and you know, I'd, I'd like to hope I'm still part of a target audience there or whatever. Um, but the tech thing's fascinating as well, I think, um, because a, a couple of reasons. One is that it seems to me that the way that we look hasn't really evolved that much over the past few decades. If, if you know, if, if, if we set something in 2007, it would be quite quite difficult to, to, to realise what year it was in, apart from the tech. So I think tech's become a shortcut now, hasn't it, for sort of retro styling. Um, also, it, it also, I don't know, maybe there's this idea that old tech just felt safer somehow, that it wasn't invading privacy, that it wasn't going to take over the world or whatever. I think it's also cool now as well. Right. Especially for Gen Z. Like these, you know, I'm looking at myself on the camera wearing these big bulky headphones thinking, <laughs> oh, I look, I look so lame, I look so square. <laughs> but actually, you know, when you're out and about, Gen Z, like kids with headphones on and big wires, it's, it's really cool. You know, it's, it's part of the same set of props as their UFOs and shudder a Von Dutch cap. Like it's all part of the vibe and look. And that's kind of, I guess... There's the nostalgia piece, and then there's also just what's what's an aesthetic, what's a trend, and and they they they're kind of Lola to your point. There's a difference between people who remember it the first time round and people who just see this aesthetic and they're like, oh, I wanna, you know, I wanna embrace that. Yeah, and I think part of that as well is like sort of being a little bit in the know, maybe like for a for a younger generation who didn't live it, it's like a maybe on some level it's like I sort of get these things from the past and then maybe there's a touch of that but I do think there is risk of us looking at it too deeply for that generation actually it is just these headphones look pretty cool I feel like you Matt because when I put mine on I was like I feel ridiculous but you know try to be down with the kids and all that but I do think there's just it's quite a it's it's not as deep necessarily as we may attribute meaning to it for some people I I love that I think yeah just not going too deep on it sometimes just like being different isn't it I mean that's what we were all trying to do you know you spend your your late teens and 20s just constantly trying to be different in you know the vain search for some sense of identity and so you know it's 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 a helpful part of that I I was chatting to got a uh, a, a younger member of the family and he was talking about this girl who he thought was really cool and he was like and she's off socials <laughs> <laughs> I was like wow, wow. <laughs> it's all part of it but it's a it's an interesting thing because when it comes to our industry there is a certain level you can just play it to be sort of sort of fashionable and on trend but I think and with the work that was shared it's 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 used best when it's to make a point about your brand and in service of an idea, like in basically all of the work you shared, and to do that in a way which is authentic to that idea and at best authentic to that era you're borrowing from, rather than it just being a sort of superfluous, you know, aesthetic on top. And so that's slightly contradictory to what we we're saying, but I think in our industry, the point is you're trying to make a point and that's when we can sort of use it best. I was, I was going to say, so... so- 
with all that in mind, what do we think of the ads, particularly the McDonald's ones? Because I guess the Muller one is is more like a blast, isn't it? A, a kind of like a trailer almost. But these sort of this little trio of McDonald's ads, do they work? I think they're sweet. I think they're funny. They're, I mean, then they don't do for me. They didn't do authenticity as much as say like the Pringles one, for example. But that's I think that was kind of the point. Like it's to it's to kind of stereotype things from the past and contrast it with where we are now and that's basically the idea but I thought they were sweet and I thought they were they were funny and they worked well yeah yeah I agree I I think they were I think they're funny I think they're sweet I think they kind of it was a really it was a really smart way of sort of getting to a bit of the heart of nostalgia which is we touched on it earlier you reflect on the past but you don't you can't live in the past you can just give it a brief visit and then when you come back to present it helps you think okay well how do I act now you know or how do I how do I want to act now or how do my decisions kind of um fall into place and so the point they were trying to make is you know things have things have moved on you know it's good it's good quality so they really used the mechanism of how nostalgia works to do that and I, I thought that was super smart but I the thing I thought was really interesting about the, the 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 Pringles work and the Muller work as well is you said something earlier, Lola, when you said how um, it you you take people back to a moment where a, a product or a brand is is really meaningful to them, and I think that's what those pieces do really well because they align with something in you know in a world that you might have been part of, whether that was a gaming world or whether that was a raving world, and it makes you feel like, oh, that was, you know, that product was that it wasn't just something that I ate while I was gaming or, you know, what or, you know, something for, I don't know, breakfast after a night out or whatever. But it was something that was so part of, you know, who I am and who I became. And that's, I think, a big part of where nostalgia works really strongly is it elevates these products, not just a role in your life today, but it gives them a role in kind of how you became who you were, which is you know, we all feel that when we look back on past times and you think about the people you're with, but you also think about, you know, what you had around you in terms yeah. of like goods and products and stuff. And yeah, I 100% agree. And um, building on that, what I think's lovely about those particular ideas is they actually, they're, they're not just a comms idea, they actually do something. And so I don't know about you guys, but I was really, really good at magic eyes when I was young. So with that Muller one, I was like, so if I still got it, <laughs> going cross-eyed at the screen. And so you get a little bit more participation in it, for want of a better word, uh, and true as well of that Pringles idea. If you are in the know of what that idea is really about, you then engage with it. And that's, again, where that whole thing of authenticity for the people who actually remember it is so important and I think that's quite lovely and and just I, I would love to know what a younger generation thought of the McDonald's uh, teletext mm. one uh, and were they like what is this because <laughs> uh, it's so like um like we just don't think of it anymore it was a real blast from uh, from the past for me and I'm pro- I'm just you know about remembering that so um, in terms terms of targeting, I think that's quite interesting what their response would be. To I'd, that. I'd love to know the age group of the uh, people who created it as well, if they they had any kind of memory of it. I, I, I doubt it uh, uh, somehow. Um, Lola, I, n- I know you're still a relative newbie at, at Neverland, but obviously the agency had had great success with with the sort of the Rocky themed uh, Ladbrokes ads last year as well. Has, has, has that kind of maybe set something of a little template here? 
I think like, so it's definitely used nostalgia to a degree, but I'd say the thing with that particular ad and that particular choice is that it's it's iconic and it cuts through generations. You know, like you could go into sort of any pub or in any conversation and you could sing that music and everyone would get it and associate it with the idea of sporting endeavour and triumph. And so the use of that was, again, to my point about it being in service of the idea, it was because of that and it was to appeal across generations give that wonderful nostalgic punch to the people who maybe love that from the from their youth but fundamentally it was about doing a job for the for the brand and in terms of authenticity again on that that um that whole topic um the craft that went into making that ad is just like unbelievable i've been hearing some stories from the team at neverland about it and it's almost so well done that people don't actually notice that it's different to the film in some instances because they put such endeavour into making, like, you know, adding all of the extras into the background. Um, but yes, it definitely is using nostalgia, but again, in service of the brand to make a point of moving away just from betting into a wider entertainment and playing together positioning. Mm-hmm. Um, one final question, really, for, for Matt. What, where's next for nostalgia? Where, where do you think we're, not, we're next going to go? I guess it's the 2000s, isn't it? Well, I think you always get a cycle of trends in terms of um, the next sort of things to to show up aesthetically. But I think um, gaming nostalgia is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger because it, there's something about gaming that makes it a really hot match for nostalgia. The communities you spend so much time playing a game compared to a movie that you might see once or twice or a TV show. But if you're in a game, you might have spent 30, 100, 1,000 hours playing that game. So that's going to have had like a really formative experience. Um, So I think there's that. And then there's also the fact that gaming is really social. So you'll have loads of memories of doing it um, together with other people um, and it's kind of so immersive. So I think it, re- it's got everything that you need to create really strong nostalgic experiences for people. And so, and those people are now at the point where they're starting to get nostalgic about it. You know, if you follow meme pages um, on Instagram or you see me, you know, memes being served to whatever social platforms you're on, you'll start to see nostalgic things about Civ 2 and things like that. And I think we're going to see, we're going to see more of it. So we're really used to using this nostalgia from TV show fashion um, to sell products and goods. But I think we're going to start seeing the culture um, of gaming and nostalgia from gaming being um, something that is played out a lot more in culture and advertising over the next sort of five, 10 years. Would you agree, Leila? I mean, yes. Yeah, for sure. I wouldn't, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't disagree. I think, I think all sorts of different parts of culture will be used in that way. And I think like the whole thing about the way nostalgia has been used from movies, I can imagine that will just sort of continue on as well. But I think there's an interesting separation in some of the things. So like the Barbie movie, you know, they had to do a real repositioning job on that brand. And that movie is like the, is like the pinnacle of that job that they've been doing. I was lucky enough to work with the woman, Elena Crystal, who worked on that repositioning at the beginning of that whole journey for Barbie. And so that is in part nostalgia, but again, it's it, there's a reason for it for them as a business. And then there are 
there are other things like Stranger Things, where it's just pretty cool that it was back in the 80s. <laughs> and so I think like it'd be interesting to see how gaming is used in that way. And, um, you know, if there is anything, you know, like Nintendo harking back to things they used to do. Just I'm not close to gaming at all, but when I was young, I used to love it. I was very good at Mario Kart. And like, I know Nintendo may not be as big as they used to be. So is there something in that? But yes, I think we'll just continue to see it coming probably from all angles. And and then we'll get the next wave of which era was cool. And it will start to embrace that as well. Great stuff. Uh, wonderful. Thanks. Thanks so much, Bo. Thank, thanks, Lola Neves from Neverland and Matt Waxman from Ogilvy. A, a really fascinating chat and, and uh, lovely to meet you both. And hopefully we'll get you back on again soon. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. If you'd like to learn more about what we've been discussing today, please visit our website, campaignlive.co.uk. Details of our subscriptions are available at campaignlive.co.uk forward slash membership. If you enjoyed this episode of the Campaign Podcast, please follow us, like us and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. A big thank you to Haymarket Studio Manager Nav Pal and also our producer Aidan Lyons from Reefing Audio. And also a big thank you to you for listening. I hope you'll join us next time. On behalf of the campaign team, goodbye.